everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. And uh, whether you're joining us in the room or whether you're joining us online or whether you are uh, maybe, as I'm saying this, maybe you're out making snow angels or something like that and you're watching this later Sunday afternoon after you've come in from the cold, uh, we're glad that you're with us. And we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. I didn't hear nearly enough of you say that back to me, so we're going to try that again. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thanks. All right. We believe that's true, that the Lord does meet us here. And so we greet each other in that way as a way of saying like, hey, I hope that you're aware of God's presence with you today. I hope that you know that the Lord is with you, meeting you right where you are, right in the middle of whatever's going on. So we're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray to him as we begin. Let's do that. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Thank you for giving us the strength we need to make it through each day and uh, hope that tomorrow might be better than yesterday. God, today we are glad that you meet us right where we are, that today as we bring all of ourselves into this hour, uh, we don't have to try to hide anything or leave anything behind or pretend that any part of our life isn't there. God, we're able to bring all of ourselves to you today knowing that you are the God who can uh, heal what is broken. You're the God who can forgive our sins. You're the God who can strengthen us where we're weak, give us wisdom where we're confused. You're the God who can take all of our uh, questions or doubts or frustrations or whatever it is we might throw your way today, God. You are the God who loves us. You are the God who is with us, who knows what our life is like because you have lived it in your son, Jesus Christ. He's the reason that we have confidence in your love today. Your son Jesus is the reason that we've gathered to worship you, to sing to you, to pray to you, to listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures, the stories about Jesus, and to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus to receive your grace again today. Thank you, God. Would you help us to have hearts open to you, minds open to your voice, lives open to what you want to do in us and through us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, if you're here in the room with me, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Good morning. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord.
to let it all go. coming and going through the motions of putting on my clothes and getting dressed and coming here it's like I still have to consciously purposely shake it off I have to I have to put it down I have to like let go of it like 
we all have lives at home, worries on our mind, things that we bring in this room. And the whole reason is for us to just let it go right here and now. Start again. Start fresh. Sunday. It's Sunday. I mean, this week is a new week. Yes, yesterday, last week is last week, and now we can just put it down with hope, with, with hope, even if we think we know what's going to happen. We don't. God is in control of our lives, and I know a lot of you know that from one day to the next, things can radically change. What you thought your life was going to be can just spin on its axis, and so I'm so glad to be worshiping with you this morning so that we can all together, despite where we're coming from, just lay it all down. without hope and no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested in my life Open heart was given name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life Amen. 
Psalm 18, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I call on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me. Pray with me, will you? Lord, we do thank you. We love you, Lord. We, we love that you are who you are. Not because of what you can give us, not because of what you can do for us. We just love you, Lord. We thank you for bringing us here this morning. We thank you for those who are joining us online or who will see this later, Lord. I thank you for each and every person that this morning, this service now is going to touch. And Father, I ask in all humility and all humbleness, Lord, that it would be such a blessing to each and every person. Father, we, we, some of us skidded in here this morning thanks to the snow. <laughs> but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than in your house with your people right here and right now. Lord, I, I, I praise you and I thank you for each of your blessings that you've given us this, these last weeks. Lord, I, I know in our family, we've come through COVID <laughs> successfully, thankfully, grace, gratefully, Lord. But we know that there's people in our, in our realm, in our community, Lord, that haven't been so fortunate, haven't been haven't had that same experience. And Lord, we lift them up to you. For those people that are hurting, that are brokenhearted this morning, Lord, for many different reasons, we ask that your spirit, your presence would be very real, very tangible for them right now. Lord, for those who, who have had a wonderful week and have seen you move mightily, have seen you bless and have seen you just pour out your favor on them, we thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. And now be with the rest of the service. Be with Pastor Rich as he brings your word for us this morning. And Lord, may everything that's said and done in this place, as always, bring honor and glory to you. We pray these things because you are holy. Amen. Now let's wave at each other. We're going to be doing this for a while, it looks like. And the peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. All right, well, Pastor Rich is going to come up with some announcements, and then he'll be leading us in the rest of the service. Thank you, Pastor Judy. It's good to have you back. And, and thank you, Highsaw family, for leading us musically this morning. We really appreciate that. And uh, I'm just glad to see some of you uh, back with us today after a, a couple of weeks of interesting weather and illness stuff and all kinds of things that, that you've been going through that all kinds of folks have been going through. Oh, okay, i got to choose which way I'm going. I'm going to put that one that way. There we go. That'll, that'll work. And uh, anyway, it's good to be with you. Uh, if you got one of these, hopefully on there you can see kind of where we're going with this morning's message and a couple of little announcements, including on the back there that this, uh, uh, this women's Bible study that was going to start this Friday is going to get pushed one, one week into the future, into February. So if any of you ladies were, were planning to be a part of that, uh, you'll want to you wanna hang on to that for a week. And um, if you're in the room, obviously you can just go back and grab one of those little cards and jot us a note, uh, let us know how we can pray for you or whatever, and drop it in the box. If you're giving, you can do that same thing. Uh, or you can grab your smartphone, you can go to one of the links on the screen, and you can connect with us on that digital connect card, you can give online. And uh, I just want to say thank you again for all of you who so faithfully give and, uh, and participate, and those of you who go out of your way to fill out that little connect card. Um, it's good to hear from you. It's good to hear how we can pray for you and support you or thank God with you. Sometimes it's just, you know, you got something good going on and you want to thank God. And, and we get to thank you. Uh, we get to join you in giving thanks. So that's a beautiful thing. Um, how many of you, let's see, how many of you enjoy food? Anybody enjoy food? Yeah. The rest of you don't have taste buds. You lost your taste in COVID and it never came back maybe. I don't know. Um, I, I, I enjoy food, personally. It's, it's not uh, hard to see that I enjoy food. And, uh, uh, you know, we're just coming through this holiday season where, uh, you know, we had Thanksgiving, all about food, it seems like, right? And we all eat way too much. One of my favorite moments from that uh, TV show, Friends, where Joey grabs, uh, was it Phoebe's uh, uh, maternity pants and calls them his eating pants? They got all the elastic right there, you know, so he's ready for Thanksgiving. Um, a bunch of you are like, what's the show, Friends? I've never heard of that. Okay. Uh, 
we, we tend to eat way too much, and that, for me, carries right on through to Christmas, right? I mean, the Christmas is all about the food and the candy and the, and the cookies and stuff, and then I have a birthday right in there, too, and then the boys have their birthday in January, and uh, it takes us a while to finally work through all the sugary goodness that's in our house, uh, and I think we're getting close. We're getting close to it, kind of, um, but, uh, you know, we hit New Year's soon after that, and that's, that's when all of a sudden... If you're, if you're early morning and you're driving past any of the gyms in town, you see like, oh, that parking lot looks a lot more full than it did, uh, you know, a couple, couple weeks ago. All of a sudden, everybody who ate way too much is trying to work off all those pounds, trying to make some healthier decisions about what they do with their bodies, what, what we eat, all that kind of stuff. I know none of us have to make those kinds of resolutions, right, because uh, we're all just super healthy already. But, um, yeah, we, we have this kind of love affair with food and uh, love, love affair, love-hate relationship, maybe? I don't know. Um, but that's what we're talking about today is eating and food and the, and the way it can be used redemptively. It can be a part of God's plan in the world, what you do with your food and your mealtimes. So uh, you've got there in your notes, we're in this series called, uh, called Bless, uh, about blessing your neighbors and changing the world. And uh, we got this from a book uh, by that same title by a couple of brothers who are also pastors in the Chicagoland area. And if you want uh, more information about that book, I'd be happy to tell you so you can get a copy. But they talk about these five practices that if we will do them, they will help us to actually bless our neighbors. Not just want to bless our neighbors or think about, boy, it'd be a nice idea to, to love my neighbor, but some actual practical hands-on things you can do to love your neighbors. Like begin with prayer. And I've been encouraging you a couple of weeks ago, you know, we encouraged you all to, to think about where you live and who are the people that live near you or the people that you work with or, or classmates or coworkers. Just, you know, wherever you live or work or play, are there people in your life that God might want you to know, begin to pray for? You know, and maybe it's somebody that you already know, like, hey, I, I, think, I think we would connect and I, I think that would be great. It might be the exact opposite of that. Somebody that drives you crazy and you're like, oh, I better begin praying for them so I don't kill them, right? Uh, you Find some people to begin praying for. Have you, have you done that? I hope that you have. I hope that you spent that time that Sunday and wrote down a little list of six or eight people and said, okay, God, I, I want to be praying for them. I want you to bless them. I want you to give them a good day today. I want you to help them to, to have a good day at work or at school. I, I want you to uh, help them to know they're loved um, and just pray for them. And while you're praying, you can be praying for this next one. Listen. Like, God, if, if there's an opportunity for me to interact with them and to have a conversation, would you help me to listen? Would you help me to hear what's really going on in their life? Would you help me to be that kind of a friend who, who cares enough about them that I would listen to them, that I would, that I would not just breeze past them? Like I just did to one of you this morning. Greg, I just did that to you this morning. Uh, we were walking by in, in the back of the church before the service started. I was like, oh, hey, Greg, how's it going? And I'm pretty sure you said good. I was already past you. I didn't, I didn't do the thing where I stopped and listened to your answer. Uh, are you, are you, how you doing? Are you doing all right, Greg? Yeah. Okay, good, good. All right, I just, just want to check. I hadn't listened earlier, and so I'm just apologizing and uh, want to make sure. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. All right. If you're not and you want to talk about it later, we can talk after the service, I guess. But. <laughs> so hopefully you can be praying, just saying, okay, God, help me to listen to some of these folks. Because that, as we talked about last week, that's, that's where kind of when we listen to people, they know that we care. You know, if you've ever had somebody stop long enough to listen to you and to actually care what you think or how you're doing, you know that communicates care. That communicates love. And so if we're going to love our neighbors, we should probably be listening to them. And today we get to the fun one, the E, the eat. You know, next week we'll talk about the serving and then we'll talk about sharing your story. But, but today we get to talk about eating. And um, I don't know if you've thought about eating as a spiritual practice or something that can be a, a part of God's redemptive plan for the world, uh, eating with people, but it really can be. And if you read Jesus' story, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you read the stories of Jesus' life and what he did with his time and how he interacted with people, there are all sorts of times that Jesus is, uh, is doing stuff at meals. Uh, he performed his first miracle at a wedding feast, right? Turning the water into wine. Uh, he's at a, he's at, a, at a meal, at a wedding feast. Uh, there's that time where he's got, you know, 5,000 people gathered out there, and they don't have food, and the disciples are like, hey, let's send everybody home so they can go get some food. And Jesus tells them to feed them. And all they've got is, like, this little kid who's willing to share his five loaves and his two fish. And Jesus blesses it and multiplies it and miraculously feeds this huge crowd of 5,000 people. He does it again for like 4,000 people later. We don't remember that one as much because, you know, it's fewer people, I guess. And we remember the 5,000. The night before Jesus was crucified, shares a meal with his disciples to describe to them what's going to happen, to help them make sense of what they're about to experience. He, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't spend a lot of time like talking about it. He gives them a meal to help them 
experience to help them remember his body broken, his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And after his death and resurrection, he has this meal on the beach with his disciples. Um, a lot of his ministry was centered around meals. Uh, one that, that pops into my mind right away is this one from Matthew chapter 9, uh, where Jesus has an interesting encounter, I suppose. Uh, it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. This is from Matthew's gospel, so this is probably the same guy who is in this story, is the one writing about and sharing this story. He's like, yep, I was a tax collector. I was participating with our Roman oppressors. Nobody liked me. I had, you know, all of my neighbors uh, couldn't stand me. The only people who would hang out with me were other tax collectors, you know, as we shared stories about how much it stunk to be, you know, ostracized and, and you know, kicked out by our families and our friends and, and uh, and uh, maybe shared some little tips on how we could make a little more money and take a little more advantage of our neighbors. Jesus sees him there and invites him to follow him, to become his disciple. And he does. He gets up and follows him. It says in verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So the first thing Matthew does is say, well, come, come and have dinner at my house. And he invites Jesus, his disciples. He invites all his friends, and all his friends are other tax collectors and sinners. You know, the, the people nobody else wants to hang around with. Which is why it says when the Pharisees saw this, the, the religious elite, the religious leaders, when they saw this, they asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Another translation uh, says, why does he eat with such scum? <laughs> I thought, no, I'll, I'll include this one. This is, this is the one that's a little closer to the, to the original language. Why, eat with tax collectors and sinners. Why would he do this? And they wonder this because that was not normal in those days, right? Eating with somebody wasn't just like, well, you know, they got the best spread, so I'm going to eat at their house, you know. When you ate with someone, you conferred, like, honor on them. You, you were showing that you, your life was open to them, and, uh, and they can't understand why on earth would you eat with these folks, the Pharisees had made it a practice because, because they loved their country, because they loved God. They thought, we have got to purify our country. We've got to you know, bring this nation back to God so that God will send his Messiah and we can you know, move forward with God's plan. And the way they thought they needed to do that was to you know, shun all those dirty, rotten sinners, show them just how sinful they were by having nothing to do with them. And then you know, they figured, like, well, then they'll come to their senses. They'll repent. They'll, they'll say, well, we, we don't want to be push to the outside, you know, forgive us, we'll leave behind our tax collecting or whatever they were doing, and, and they thought this is the way to do it. Or you just cut them off from the community altogether, and hopefully when God looks down, he just sees, oh, well, those are outsiders. Okay, I won't count them. I'll just count you. And once they, their thought was, once everyone in the nation was loving God like they were supposed to and following his laws like they were supposed to, then God would, would come through, would do what he promised to do. And Jesus is, like, ruining that whole plan. Like, Jesus, don't you know we're supposed to be shunning these folks and you're embracing them? Why does your teacher, they ask the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, well, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He said, look, I'm going to people who know that they need me, who need their lives changed, who need to know that they're loved, who need to, to see that there's hope for a better future for them. But go and learn what this means. Quotes the Old Testament, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He, he's quoting God saying, look, I'm not looking for you to do the religious rituals. I'm, I'm looking for mercy. I'm looking for people who will see their neighbors and realize like, oh, they need help. Who will, who will see them and look with compassion. Who will be merciful. That's what God is looking for. Not the sacrifices. And so Jesus comes eating with sinners, eating with tax collectors, telling them, I'm happy to share a table with you. I'm happy to have you with me. And sometimes, I mean, oftentimes it's, it's other people hosting him because that was, that was uh, do you remember the story of Zacchaeus that we looked at just a few weeks ago? Um, Zacchaeus was a, like chief tax collector in his town and, and Jesus sees him up in the tree so he could like see Jesus going by, see over the crowd because Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. Um, and Jesus calls him down and says, I've got to eat at your house today. And everyone's like, oh, he's going to go eat with this sinner. It's another one of those scandalous moments. Because by allowing Zacchaeus to host him, he is conferring honor on Zacchaeus. 
And that wasn't how stuff was supposed to work. You were supposed to confer honor on people who were honorable, you know, not on people who were dishonorable. And so Jesus is just doing it all wrong, according to the way their culture worked at the time, the way the, the, the religious folks wanted him to behave, the way everyone expected. Um, Jesus is happy to share a table with these folks. And there's another story in, in Luke 19 that you can look at later. Uh, it's just a, a similar kind of a moment where he's confronted about this and, and says, look, I, I came to seek the, the lost, the lost. That's who I'm here for. I'm not looking for people who are already found. I'm looking for those who, who are lost, who need someone to help them find their way back to the God who loves them. So Jesus spends a lot of time around tables with folks and, uh, and helping them know that they're loved. Can you imagine just for a moment that like Jesus was coming through town? I think I, I, think I asked you to imagine this when we talked about Zacchaeus. Can you imagine Jesus coming to town and, and wants to eat at your house? I mean, that's kind of crazy, but just imagine. You know, I, I don't, if that were to happen, I don't think Jesus is going to be walking in and being like, hmm, interesting choice of decor. You know, I, I think he's probably going to be like, and he's not going to be coming in to be all critical of you and whatever you've got going on. He's going to come in you know, doing what he does with everybody, you know, loving, inviting you, probably asking you the same question we saw him asking people last week. What would you like me to do for you? What's going on in your life? How can we be closer? How can, how can I help you? Now, Jesus doesn't just eat with, uh, you know, dirty, rotten sinners. He also accepts invitations from the Pharisees. We've got one of those stories in Luke chapter 7 right here. It says when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house, reclined at the table. So he's happy to have meals with whoever. Jesus is uh, displaying here the indiscriminate love of our Heavenly Father. Uh, do you remember in his Sermon on the Mount, as, as he talks about loving your enemies, and he says uh, you know, that your heavenly Father sends rain on the wicked and on the good, causes the sun to rise on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's like this picture of how God is indiscriminate in his love. He, he sends snow on the good people and the bad people, right? It doesn't matter. Um, he loves indiscriminately. And Jesus shows that same kind of love, that same kind of openness to whoever will invite him. And so when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner, he went, reclined at the table. And reclined is kind of how it worked in those days. It wasn't like the tables you guys are sitting at. We have the chair pulled up and your feet are under the table. You reclined at a lower table. And so like your head and, and everything would be up near the table, eating the food, sitting on some kind of cushion. Your feet would be out there away, which is kind of nice because feet were a little stinkier in those days, right? Um, you had to walk with those open-toed sandals down the same cobblestone roads that the Roman horses had just walked, you know, gone down or whatever else. They didn't have the modern sewage system that we all have. And, uh, you know, it was, well, it might have been a little bit more like some of, the, some of the villages that we helped provide clean water for through our partnership with World Vision. Um, so it was a good thing to keep your feet kind of far from the food, right? And that's why oftentimes when you entered somebody's home, the courteous thing to do for the host was to have someone there to wash your feet as you entered. You know, it wasn't just like today you might take your shoes off at someone's house, you know, like it's kind of politeness and you don't want to drag all the, you know, the salt and the snow and the slush in. Uh, it was a little bit more than that in those days. So Jesus is here. He's reclining at the table and it says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who'd invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. It's an unusual moment, right? I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to relate to this because this is so outside of anything that we would experience, right? But here's Jesus at the religious guy's house and the sinful woman has slipped in while they're all around the table having their conversation about whatever they're conversing about, eating their, you know, chips and salsa or whatever. And here she is crying, washing his feet with her tears, with her hair, pouring perfume on them. Pharisee says, boy, basically saying, this guy must not be a prophet. 
he must not be all the people are saying he is, or he'd know she's a sinful woman. He wouldn't be letting her touch him like that. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Uh, apparently, if you follow the footnote in your Bible, a denarii or a denarius is like one day's wages. So whatever the amount of money, one person owes him 500, the other owes him 50, right? 500 days wages, 50, $500, $50. It doesn't really matter. One owes 500, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Right? You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So at this point, Simon's probably feeling like, okay, don't know what this has to do with anything, but all right, great. He's saying, I know my stuff. Good. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, which, again, seems weird to us, but it's a little more normal in that culture. You know, do a little you know, kiss on the cheek, greeting kind of a thing. So you didn't do that for me, but from this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head. Again, a way to honor a special guest, I suppose. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And, and he doesn't say it, but I don't think he has to say it at that point, right? <laughs> He's been drawing this big contrast between Simon, how you've treated me, and how this woman has treated me. She's been forgiven a lot, so she loves a lot. Whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. <clears throat> Not saying any names. And Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Well, these meals for Jesus can be moments of teaching. They can be moments of demonstration. They can be moments of, of redemption. Here's a woman who experiences forgiveness at this meal and is held up as an example of someone who loves much because she's been forgiven much. Jesus doesn't look for people to, to eat with who are like, you know, well, you're, you're, you're pretty good. Of course, Jesus, if you were looking for people who had like more honor than him or were better than him, Jesus isn't going to find anybody, right? I mean, Jesus is kind of like the ultimate human being, right? Lives the best life possible, uh, most honoring to God. He's not going to find anybody higher on the, like the spiritual ladder that he can like you know, eat with them and, and get a little, you know, a little reflected glory from or something. You know, and so Jesus doesn't go around, though, saying like, okay, well, you're not quite to my level, but you're close, so, you know, I can hang out with you. Jesus goes right to the people who need him, right to the people who need him most. He says, you are loved. <laughs> you are forgiven. Your heavenly Father cares about you. I imagine there was some time spent saying, I am so sorry for the way that God's people have treated you, the way that you have been pushed aside, the way you've been overlooked, they, they don't even see you. There's that moment where Jesus asks Simon, do you see this woman? Jesus goes right to the people who need him most. I just included there, if you want to read on your own later, Luke 14, it's a moment where Jesus, again, is at a Pharisee's house and, and talks a little bit about the kinds of people you ought to invite, that you don't just invite the people who can invite you back and, and you know, you just kind of go through these little cycles of honoring each other. He says, you invite the poor, invite the people who could never pay you back. Then you'll be blessed by your heavenly Father. If you're letting his grace flow through you in ways that, like, give of yourself, not just, like, giving so you can receive back later. This, um, this eating thing is an opportunity to, uh, for God's grace to flow through us into the lives of others. <laughs> I just had this sudden feeling like if you do invite like a friend or a coworker or something out to eat and you're, and you're eating and they, they get wind of like, oh, you're at this church. And they go back and they, they listen to the last few messages and they listen to this one like, so he invited me out because I'm the worst sinner he could find? Is that, was that why they invited me to? That's, that's not, not where we're going. All right. With this. Um, although, although I will say there is great value in spending time listening to people that 
their lives are unlike yours, all right? So there is great value in, uh, in sitting down over a meal and listening and hearing their story and opening yourself up to someone who, you know, maybe you wouldn't, you know, vote the same way. Maybe you wouldn't cheer for the same teams. Maybe you wouldn't, I don't, I don't know, work the same job. Maybe you wouldn't uh, invite them home for the holiday for what your family would say or something like that. There is something about sitting down and eating and listening and letting your life be open to the experiences of someone different from yourself. Who knows? They might be looking at you and thinking you're the worst sinner they know. You know who knows? All right. But that's not, that's not what that part's about. I was just wanting us to see that Jesus' uh, mealtimes provide an opportunity for the grace of God to, to flow. And, um, and even today, I know our culture is very different than the culture we've just been kind of peeking into in these stories about Jesus. But even today, you know that when you sit down to eat with somebody, it, it's like, I don't know, it's like you relax a little bit more or something. Uh, I, I love taking people out to eat. Uh, I love grabbing lunch with people uh, whenever possible. Uh, I can't wait till this whole thing is behind us so I can do that more easily, more comfortably, and, and not feel weird about like saying, hey, come sit across from me, and we'll take our masks off and breathe in each other's faces for an hour. You know, um, I love sharing meals with people because it, it gives a chance to just kind of relax and to hear their story and to, and to get to know them better. And it gives you kind of a reason to sit there for a while and talk, you know? It's not just, you know, it's a little more awkward to say, hey, can we just talk? Can we just get together and stand somewhere for 20 minutes and talk to each other? No, when you're grabbing coffee or you're grabbing a lunch or you're grabbing a meal, it gives you a chance to, to, to practice what we just talked about last week, to listen and to take that just a little bit deeper, to hear a little bit more of their story, to get to know them a little bit better. So who is God calling you to bless? Who has been coming to your mind? Uh, as you've been beginning to pray and beginning to invite God, God, show me, who, who do you want me to bless? This is, this is continuing the mission that Jesus had on this earth, right? We're doing the work that God called us to do of loving our neighbors as ourselves, of helping people find their way back to the God who loves them. Who is God calling you to bless? Who is there uh, where you live or work or play that you've been praying for, that maybe you've begun looking for opportunities to listen to? You know, ordinarily the eat thing would come after a little bit, but who knows? This week you might have a surprise opportunity. Someone else invites you to lunch. Someone else invites you to coffee. And you're like, hmm, okay, sure. You know, I'll say yes because God just been working on me about this. You know, I, I should be eating with people. I should be grabbing coffee with people. Who's God calling you to bless? Why not invite them to share a meal? Um, the, the book gives three excuses that often come up for us. And so I just want to address those real quick in case this is what's been in your mind. Besides like, hey, there's a pandemic going on, I'm not eating with anybody right now, okay? I understand that. You know, your meal right now might be like a Zoom lunch with somebody, or it might be, I, I know I've done this a couple times where I've had somebody meet me here for lunch. We go and grab, grab food, and we bring it back here, and I sit at this table, and they sit at that table. You know, we kind of sit way far apart as, as we eat together. Um, so other than that big, massive reason why you might not want to sit down with somebody right this minute, some of the other excuses that often pop up, I don't like to have people in my home, right? Which, okay, great, do the restaurant thing, you know? Um, I'm hoping that maybe this spring, summer, we can uh, fire up the barbecue in the backyard and have some outdoor meals with some of our neighbors that we've never really gotten to, you know, get into our yard or get over to our house. We've got some new neighbors down the street I would love to get to know a little bit better. Uh, unfortunately for us, uh, well, six-year-old twins makes it difficult, but besides that, we, one of the two dogs that we rescued is just not very nice. Uh, so it's a little challenging to have people in our house, you know, and, and I don't know what your issue is for having people in your home, but, uh, but if you don't like having people in your house or can't for some reason, that's okay. That doesn't need to stop you, right? There are restaurants. There are places you can go to eat. Uh, or I wouldn't know what to say. Well, that's, yeah, it's true. I can understand that. You know, we're not, we're not all people, per, people, 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 persons, people. I don't know how to say that even. All right. I don't know what to say, right? We don't all know what to say. Uh, so this is a chance to practice what we talked about last week, to listen, to ask questions, to just start conversations with, ask, you know, ask them, so where did you grow up? You know, how long have you, I know you've lived in the neighborhood now for, what, how long has it been now? And, you know, start conversation, where have you lived before? You know, what, what was your family like growing up? What, what kind of jobs have you, have you worked? What do you like to do for fun? What are you hoping to do this year? You know, there's all kinds of conversation topics, roads you can go down. And once you've asked a question, they've begun to answer what was that phrase we practiced last week? Tell me more. <laughs> it's an easy one, right? 
So they, they give an answer, and you're sitting there like, uh, I don't know what else to ask. You can just say, oh, tell me more, and invite them to share a little bit more. And like I said last week, at some point, you're going to have to talk too, and that's fine. You just, you know, the conversation will begin to flow, all right? You can, you can share where you grew up or what you've done for work or whatever, you know, because they're going to ask. It's not an interview. So um, if you don't know what to say, that's okay. Just, just start by listening. Invite them to tell you more. And, and maybe you're saying, I just don't have time. Man, and I can, I can relate to this one. Um, you know, like mornings are busy, evenings are busy and filled with kids and other kinds of stuff. Like I said, for me, lunch, like when I'm able to be at work, is like this perfect time to finally do this. But that what I put there in your notes is most of us, I don't know, maybe you're doing an intermittent fasting thing or something. Most of us have about 21 meals in a week, right? Three a day, seven days a week. Maybe you only do two. I don't know what your schedule's like. But we have a certain number. You're going to eat right? I'm pretty sure you are going to eat this week several times, you know, again and again. Could you use one of those to bless someone? Again, you might not do it this week, you know, but you might begin to look at your calendar. You might begin to look at those spots where you would normally have meals and begin to think, hmm, hopefully one of those times I can have that neighbor, I can have that coworker, and I can invite them over. Or if you're already at work and you're already brown bagging it and, you know, you're sitting there, just, you know, slide over to that other coworker and say, hey, want to eat together today? And if they say, no, leave me alone, like, okay, and you just walk away, right? It's not a big deal. But they could say, oh, sure. And you sit down and you ask them how the day's been so far. And you listen. It doesn't have to be super complicated. It doesn't have to be you provide some kind of multi-course meal at your home for someone. This is just a chance to sit down over coffee or sit down over lunch or something for an opportunity to, to help something go beyond just the head nods, go beyond just the, hey, how's it going? Fine. You know, catch a game? Yeah. You know, to, to get to something a little more real, a little more personal, to open up the possibility for relationship so that with time, as you share your life with them, if Jesus is a part of your life, then that's going to shine through. Grace is going to have an opportunity to flow. And what if, what if we all started doing this? What if, what if every Christian in town started intentionally reaching out to neighbors, coworkers? Just what if the folks here, what if us, what if we just started doing this? Intentionally reaching out to folks, praying for them, listening to them, looking for chances to have them over for a barbecue or, or for lunch or for coffee or something. Looking for ways, you know, listening for ways that we can serve them and eventually share our stories. Or we might actually move beyond hoping that people will find their way back to God to actually helping people find their way back to God. We might end up blessing the world. Thinking about this and... Uh, and invitations to me as I couldn't help but think of this verse that I memorized as a little kid. Not in this translation, um, but Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. I remember there were little cards with little pictures of Jesus, and like, you know, in a soft light knocking on someone's door. Um, with this verse, where Jesus says to, he says this to a church. This is in the book of Revelation as he's talking to these churches who have wandered off in various ways. This is a church he's got some pretty hard words for. But at the conclusion of what he says to them, he says, look, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If any hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in to be with them and we'll have dinner with them and they'll have dinner with me. This is how Jesus does relationship. And it's open to all of us. Even if he's got some harsh words for us, even if Jesus has to say to us, yeah, you know what? You've really not been living the life I created you to live. You know, you really, you really should be dropping some of those habits. You really should be, you know, leaving that life of sin. That doesn't prevent him from knocking at the door. He's still knocking. He's still hoping that we will just open the door and invite him in so that he can eat with us. So he can share his life with us. That's what he has done for us, as we mentioned earlier, uh, in this sacrament of communion. We have an opportunity uh, to join together with Christians around the world in accepting Jesus' invitation to his table as he offers himself to us. So let's bow our heads and let's pray before we celebrate this sacrament.
Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for coming right to where we live and uh, not keeping your distance from us. Thank you for knocking on our door. <laughs> Thank you for being persistent in that knocking, Lord Jesus. You, you never give up on any of us. So I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to, to answer that invitation, to answer the door. And God, you know that for most of us here in this room, that's, that's some, we opened that door to you a long time ago. We've been saying yes to you, but there might be somebody who today is realizing, you know, I have been shutting Jesus out. <laughs> I haven't been listening to him. I haven't been letting him uh, in to speak to my life, to, to, to guide me, to change me. So today, God, I pray that you'd help all of us to have the courage to, to open the door of our lives to you. To say yes to you and to your love and to the grace that you show us in your son, Jesus Christ. As we do, you, you wash away the, the guilt, the shame of our sin. You give us a fresh start. We find that you are sitting with us, eating with us, smiling laughing, excited about the life that we can live together. And God, we want that. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your redemptive work in the world, to be a part of this great work of helping people find their way back to you, helping people who don't know that they are loved by you, to, to know it, to experience it, because they find themselves loved by us. Help us, God, to open our lives up to the people around us, to keep our eyes open, to truly see them, to keep our ears open, to, to listen to them, and to know them. God, as you do this, as you lead us down this path of, of being open to the people around us, as we listen to them and you show us ways that we can serve them, as you show us opportunities to, to share with them your grace and your love and point them toward the hope that we have found in you, God, I pray that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit, empower us, embolden us, give us the courage to trust you, that if you call us to do this work, that you will be with us every step of the way. In fact, you're already at work in those people's lives, those people that you have us praying for, those, those people whose faces or names have been coming to our mind each week as we talk about this. And, and God, I, whether we've been praying for them or not, God, we're aware of some of the people in our lives that you are sending us to. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to be used by you. You are already at work in their lives, and we are just meeting you there in conversations, in meals, in opportunities to serve. Thank you, God, for those who have done that for us, those who have reached out to us, that your grace has flowed into our lives through them. And, and today we find ourselves um, grateful, grateful for them having the courage to start a conversation with us, grateful for, for them being willing to invite us to a meal, grateful for the ways that your grace has flowed through them for us. So thank you, God, that we get a chance to share in your joy, to share in your work. You've transformed us, God, by the love that you've shown us in Jesus Christ. We give you thanks. And we celebrate that love in the sacrament of Holy Communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your Spirit's presence here with us, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We remember that meal that you shared with your disciples, Lord Jesus, as you were celebrating the, the great uh, deliverance of God's people from slavery in Egypt. You pointed forward to the great deliverance that you were about to accomplish, delivering all people from slavery to sin and death. You took the bread and you broke it and you gave it to your disciples and you said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. You took the cup and blessed it and gave it to your disciples and said, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. So today, Lord Jesus, we thank you for inviting us to your table to remember your great work of love 
as you conquered sin and death and set us free. We offer you ourselves. Help us not to hold anything back. God, we confess to you the ways that we have not lived up to your dream for our lives, the ways that we have been part of the problem, part of the mess. And we thank you that you reveal to us the the God we read about in Scripture who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, full of love and faithfulness. Thank you that we get to experience your grace and your love and your forgiveness today. Thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to live within us so that we can live in this world as the body of Christ, broken and poured out for the world. You are good to us, God, and we are grateful. We are grateful for the the grace, for the strength, for the hope that you give. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We're going to celebrate communion together. Uh, the high sides are going to come up and lead us in one last song as we do. I'll be down here with this basket of bread and this cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it and return to your seats. Uh, this is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. And uh, if you'd rather not come forward, uh, there are also uh, little, the little single serve communion deals at the tables where you can peel it back and get to the bread and peel it back and get to the juice. Um, but regardless of how you celebrate today, Uh, I pray that you will uh, give thanks and celebrate the grace that God has shown us, the love he's shown us in his son, Jesus Christ. at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore at his table. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore at his table. Come all you weary, come and find his yoke is Bye.
Thank you again, God, for inviting all of us, a tax collector, Pharisee, whoever we are, you invite us to your table to receive from you the grace, the strength, the hope that we need. So again, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, so that we can truly live in this world as the body of Christ, as a people who, who are given for those that you send us to. May your grace flow into our lives in such abundance that we just can't help but let it flow, uh, overflow from us to the people around us. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.